Good evening. Are you all right? Are you well? Hello. Welcome. Uh, I'm Andrew, and I lead the team here at Trinity, which is why I've got the worst uh, stand thing in the world. Um, so it's it's always a great. Uh, privilege to speak. Uh, I, I know there'll be a whole spectrum uh, in the room. Uh, it's hopefully quite a simple message. Um, if you've been a, a follower of Jesus for a long time, then uh, the deal is that you do the you do the maths on this. You take what I think is a relatively simple message, but the, the fact that it's simple doesn't mean that it's it's not significant and God can't use it. Um, and then right the way across the spectrum of where we are, I know there'll be people in the room thinking you've stepped into a cult and uh, kind of all of that. You know, you'll be thinking, what on earth is going on in this place? All these people are nutters, um, etc. Well, that's fine. As, as Nick said, you're welcome. And we always put him up as the best example of the greatest nutter in the building. So um, look, you know, you must be better than Nick. So... Welcome. So I wonder what God wants to say to you tonight. I wonder how he might want to take something quite simple and he might want to use it to really change and transform uh, how you think about a load of things. This season, this little build-up to Christmas for Christians is known as the season of Advent. It's a season of of waiting, of expectancy, of of wondering and hoping. And, And for Christians... Yep, we absolutely look forward to celebrating when Jesus came, when God said, I'm going to come down to earth now, the the time is right, I've been for thousands of years through all the the first part of our Bibles, I've been sending prophets, I've been saying, look guys, as as you as human beings grow and learn and develop, as your society develops, as you get a sense of what it means to be human, and I've been revealing more and more and more of myself to you, I've been telling you what it means to have a God who loves you, who created you, who knows everything there is to know about you, and now the time is right. I'm stepping into history in a baby. And we look forward to celebrating that that miracle. That the God who knows every hair on our head, who knows, knows everything there is to know about us and knows us from the inside out, who's not bothered about our Instagram or Facebook or is not bothered about what we you know, are like at work or not at work. The God who just loves us because he made us. That's enough. He made you. He said, right, now is the time. Now is the moment where... I need to bring all of those things that I've been sharing over those thousands of years, all those promises that I've been making, I need to bring them, I need to fulfill them in this little baby. We celebrate that. Boy, do we celebrate that. We sing out that. We sing our hearts about that. But what's even better than that, and if you've been a follower of Jesus for a while, or even just like you know this, but if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, if you're someone who kind of knows about God, but you don't really like feel you know God, the great news is that that baby grew up. He grew up. He became a man. He became Jesus. People say, no one's ever seen God. That's not true. People have seen God because when you see Jesus, you see God. You know, kind of, I love the fact that that there's so many people in our world searching for truth and searching for God. They've got their telescope maybe looking over here. It's slightly out of focus. They turn the telescope round. They focus the telescope on Jesus and they see God perfectly. 
And then that Jesus, that man, we know this, don't we? That Jesus, he spread his arms wide on the cross. That wooden torture machine. That wooden killing machine. He started his life on wood. He finished his life on wood for us. He stretched his arms, kind of taking hold of you and taking hold of God and holding them together. And in doing that, he broke the power of death. He broke the power of anything that is trying to stop you, would dare to dare to stop you being who you are designed and created to be. He broke it. He broke it. He broke it. Doesn't always feel like that, but that doesn't stop it being the truth that he broke it. And then it gets better. Because he didn't stay dead. He, he didn't say, God didn't say, I just want to wipe out, the, wipe the slate clean. Just wipe the slate and when you die, that'll be the end. That'll be it. He said, no, I am breaking the power of death and I am going to rise again. I'm going to be born again. And Jesus was resurrected. He came back to life and he's alive now, which means that we can enjoy eternal life. And he said, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. And one day there will be no pain. One day there will be no tears. One day there will be no sorrow. One day there will be no fear. You won't just be saved from the penalty of sin. You will be not just saved from the power of sin. You will be saved from the presence of sin. You want to define heaven and hell? I don't think it's a bad thing to say. Heaven is where God is completely. Life in all its fullness. Everything that it means to be is heaven. And hell is the absence of being nothingness. There'll be different opinions about the nature of those places. That's where I am. I know I don't want to be in one and I know I want to be in the other. And God says, that's what's going to happen. Jesus is going to come. And he says, to every single one of us who's a follower of Jesus says, you're not going to have to do this life with foot on, in, in two camps, a foot in the world and a foot in heaven. You're not going to have to be on like the kind of, as I said the other week in church, not in the airport when you've managed to get yourself onto two different travelators going at two different speeds, you know, which is you get stretched. That's what life is like, isn't it? Living in this in-between time. No penalty. No power of sin, not even the presence of anything to stop us experiencing life in all its fullness.
That's what we're singing about. That's what we're enjoying. And if you're here and you just want to say, you know, I'd love that. I'd love that to be true. I don't want religion. I don't want to just know about God. I don't want to have someone just dangling little carrots in front of me. I certainly don't want people judging. What I need to know is that what you've just said is true. Well, I want to tell you it is true. It's true. Just feel it a second. God, here with us now. Holy Spirit, God with us. Just feel the truth of this in your heart. And we've been celebrating in these weeks leading up to Christmas as we look forward to this three things that are true about God and therefore are true about us. We've been thinking about God's faithfulness. We've been, we've been thinking, uh, and tonight we're thinking about God's joy. God's joy. Here's a, here's a photo that maybe if you've had to do history, a few of you may have come. Anyone know that photo? Anyone know where it's from? Anyone have to do this in GCSE or O-level or anything? That film, anyone know what it's called? That photo is called A Burst of Joy. A Burst of Joy. Anyone want to have a guess when it was taken? At the end of a particular war? Before most of you were born, not World War I, no, not World War II, Vietnam, Vietnam, the end of the Vietnam War, 1973, Colonel Sturm, Lieutenant Colonel Sturm has been a prisoner of war in Vietnam for a number of years. He comes home, he's on the first flight back when POWs are repatriated and his entire family go running towards him. It won a prize, this photograph, called A Burst of Joy. But there's a tragedy in that photograph. The tragedy is his wife had written to him three days earlier to say that she wanted a divorce. Lieutenant Sturm Colonel Stone doesn't have a copy of that photo, refuses to look at it. Now get me right on this, his daughter loves that photo. His daughter says that that moment was a moment, a burst of pure joy, and pure joy is good. And I don't tonight want to be down on anything in this world that is good because God created this world and he created everything that is good. But actually that photo both sums up for me everything that is good but it also shows a reality. There's a reality check in that photo that in this world, affected by brokenness, this world cannot offer us True joy. A writer called C.S. Lewis, who many of us will be familiar with, said that there's this difference between pleasure and happiness in this world, which is transitory, it, it doesn't last, and the joy that those of us who follow Jesus experience and is ours to take hold of. He said, said, I doubt whether anyone who has tasted it, 
the true joy, would ever, if both were in their power, this joy that we're offered as followers of Jesus and the the kind of happiness and pleasure and joy of the world, if both were in their power, exchange it for all the pleasures in this world. Joy, true, deep joy, is based on the story that I've just told you about our God who loves us, who came in Jesus as a baby, who walked on earth, who died on a cross, who rose again, who lives now and is coming back for us. True joy is for every single follower of Jesus to experience. It's not an optional extra It's not a a character-driven thing. It's not just, you know, what your Myers-Briggs is. Are you a glass-half-filled or a glass-half-empty person? Joy, deep joy, is an essential element. It's in our DNA as followers of Jesus Christ. Psalm 149, verse 2. Let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the people of Zion be glad in their king. Psalm 97, 2. Rejoice in the Lord. Matthew 5, 12. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. Philippians, which is a book all about joy. Two, uh, chapter 2, 18, 3, verse 1, 4, verse 4. Be glad and rejoice with me. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Do you get the message? But, but, well, friends, don't worry. Don't worry. God knows the reality of our lives. Because scripture also says this. The Bible also says this. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. We are not being commanded to put on a happy face. We are not being commanded and instructed to pretend to be joyful. We're not instructed or commanded to ignore the sadnesses and the realities of life. And and Christmas is that season when it's both the best and it's the worst, isn't it? Most of us in this room will have experienced some kind of loss. Some in this room, it is so sharp. But the joy that is ours who follow Jesus in our circumstances is not rooted in how we feel. It's not rooted in anything that we create. It's not rooted in experiences. It's not rooted in singing the same chorus 57 times, as good as it was. It's not rooted in coming to church. It's not rooted clearly in having the right clothes or having the right body. It's clearly not rooted in anything that we create or experience, or feel in those ways. It's rooted in the goodness of God. 
So whether you're on a high right now or you are on a low right now, or whether you're in a, a confidence, or whether you're in a very unconfident state about really anything, know that who we are called to be as Christians, what we are called to celebrate, what we can sing about, what we can celebrate at Christmas, what we can celebrate every single day, the joy that can be ours of knowing that our God loves us, that even if we were the only person on earth, he would have died for us. That joy is rooted in the goodness of God. Our knowledge that God is good. Our knowledge that his way is good. Our knowledge that he is for us and not against us. Taste and see that the Lord is good. A guy called David Mathis said, Joy in the heart of the created corresponds to goodness in the heart of the creator. Here's a bit of scripture. I need to get my glasses because I can't read or see. Here's what Jesus says. Here's what Jesus says to you and me tonight about this joy and the reality, reality of it in a relationship with God. Let's just read it through together. Message version. Jesus said, I am the real vine and my father is the farmer. He cuts off every branch of me that doesn't bear grapes. And every branch that is grape-bearing, he prunes back so it will bear even more. You are already pruned back by the message I have spoken. Live in me. Make your home in me, just as I do in you. That's the, the Holy Spirit, God in us. In the same way that a branch can't bear grapes by itself but only by being joined to the vine, you can't bear fruit unless you are joined with me. I am the vine, you are the branches. When you're joined with me and I with you, the relationship, intimate and organic, the harvest is sure to be abundant. Separated, you can't produce a thing. Anyone who separates from me is dead wood gathered up and thrown on the bonfire. But if you make yourselves at home with me and my words are at home in you, you can be sure that whatever you ask will be listened to and acted upon. This is how my father shows who he is. When you produce grapes, when you mature as my disciples... I've loved you, said Jesus, the way my Father has loved me. Make yourselves at home in my love. If you keep my commands, you'll remain intimately at home in my love. That's what I've done. Kept my Father's commands and made myself at home in his love. I've told you these things for a purpose. That my joy might be your joy. And your joy wholly mature. This is my command. 
Love one another the way I loved you. This is the very best way to love. Put your life on the line for your friends. You are my friends when, they do, when you do the things I command you. A Danish philosopher called Kierkegaard told a story about a jewellery shop that had a robbery. The thieves broke into the jewellery shop in the dead of night and they didn't steal a thing. What they did was they changed all the price tags on the jewellery. The next day they went in and they bought a £100,000 necklace for £10. They bought a set of diamond rings worth £50,000 for £5. It was several days before they noticed in the shop. (laughs) Christmas is a time when we get offered, in a sense, don't we, the best of what the world thinks it can offer to us in terms of happiness and pleasure. And I don't want to knock it. Please don't hear me knocking it. You may have noticed that I will enjoy some Christmas lunch this year. I'm really blessed to have family and friends. That's not everyone's story. I'm massively blessed to have a home to to live in, a bed to sleep in. Um, I don't have to think about what happens when I turn the tap. If it it rains, I put on a coat. I'm, I'm incredibly blessed. And I don't for a second want to be down on the best that the world can offer. But the best that the world can offer is not the source of my joy. The best the world can offer me does not compare to the treasure of heaven that is offered to every single one of us. Jesus said in those words from scripture, he said, using the image of the vine and branches, he said, it's my joy that I want to put into you. It's not something you manufacture, it's my joy. Friends, simple question, are you trying to manufacture, are you trying to strive, are you trying to fight for happiness and for joy? Are you trying to do it in your own strength? You can't. Don't don't put your trust in it. Put your trust in God and his joy. Secondly, he said, I want you to to be wholly mature. I want you to be followers, not consumers. Important message for us in a church like this because it's quite easy to come and to consume God, to want an experience, to want the band to be great. Some weeks they are. Um, (laughs) They were great. They are great. But guys, we're not here to consume. God's not in the business of, of that. Jesus said, let my joy, not something you create, be in you, and then you're my friend, 
if you follow, if you obey my commands, if, you, if you're a follower. Make your home in my love. Second really simple but deeply profound question. Are you following or are you consuming? Andrew, because we all ask our questions to ourselves, I hope. Have I made my home in God's love? And the third thing, well, you heard it, didn't you? At the end of that reading, I'm sure, he said, joy, true joy, is actually experienced when you bless others. That's the real message, isn't it? True joy comes not when you're looking to please yourself, but actually in serving and loving and blessing others. Someone has said it's a bit cheesy, but <laughs> I do cheese. Joy is spelt Jesus first, others second. Yourself last. Do you like that? A little bit of cheese on a Sunday night. Ding! Do you like that? Jesus first, others second, yourself last. I told you that tonight was going to be really profound. Do you know what? I somehow think that is quite profound. I sometimes get it that if I really followed that order in my life, And by the way, when you're the lead pastor of a church, you're just much better at hiding it. Sometimes. If I truly follow that order, Jesus first, others second, myself last. Not in a a putting myself down kind of way, because I've already told you how much God loves me and loves you. But if I followed that order, how might I experience deep joy? Here's a final picture of Christmas, isn't it? This is um, New Street Station where they're doing a lunch for the homeless at Christmas. Train station in Birmingham. It is true, isn't it, how Christmas brings into such sharp focus almost everything that is good and we can enjoy about this world, but also the heart of the matter, what really brings joy and peace Actually, what really is the root of our happiness? The kind of joy that actually gets sharpened and gets intensified when we go through hard times and times of sorrow. The kind of joy that we can speak about after we've done some of the processing of our losses. Jesus first, others second. Yourself last. I'm looking forward to Christmas. But boy, I'm really looking forward to Jesus coming back. Yeah?
going to be so good. But you know, we can experience so much of it now. We can experience so much of it now. We can be annoyingly joyful (laughs) right now. Would you like to stand if you're able to? So friends, um, the, way, the way that we finish our times together, if you're a guest with us tonight, you've visited with us tonight, um, we're just going to pray, I'm going to pray, and um, I'm going to ask God to, to come and to meet with each one of us, and um, our experience is that he does that in, in lots and lots of different ways, um, and um, yeah. I just especially want to speak to you, uh, again, if I may, just really directly. Um, I am a dad, so forgive me for being a bit like a dad sometimes. Um, But um, I'm 56 years old, and uh, the most important thing I know in life, uh, every day I get older, I realize, you know, there's a lot that I thought I knew that goes. And the most important thing in my life is, is being a follower of Jesus. I started that when I was 13. Uh, that's, that's the time when I actually went to someone else and I said, um, I, want to, I want to be a follower of Jesus. I, I said, I'm, I'm sorry for the things that I've done in my life. I'm sorry for anything that would be a barrier between me and you, God. And I want to, I want to be a follower of yours, Jesus. I want to put you first. People who know me really well know that it didn't go great for quite a long time in many ways, but that's what I've been trying to do ever since, is just put Jesus first, and sometimes I have to really bring myself up and sort of remind myself that I'm pretending to put Jesus first, but I'm not actually, and I have to say, sorry, Jesus, come back into your place. And I just want to say to you tonight, if you've never done that, it's a big, a big thing to say, isn't it? If you've never actually done that, you could give yourself no greater Christmas present. <laughs> you could give yourself no better Christmas. It will change absolutely, literally, of course, your life. So I'm going to say a prayer for you in a moment. And then I'm going to secondly say a prayer for, for anyone here who's just feeling um, no sense at all, if I can put it like this, of, of joy. Um, please you know, try to say, I hope, sensitively and carefully. I'm not talking about happiness. I'm not pretending that we haven't got horrible things going on in our lives. Um, I'm not, for a moment, asking you to pretend if you've lost a loved one, if this is a sharp and a hard time for you. I'm not asking you to pretend. But I'm just saying, it, it, even if within, within all of it, you kind of don't have somewhere in yourself, just kind of like a almost like a flickering flame, little, little light, even in the darkness of, of true joy. I'd love to just pray for you tonight. And then, and then we'll really happily pray, you know, just at the front here. We, what we do is I'll pray a moment, then I'm going to ask people to come forward. And you could come forward for either of those two reasons, or you could come forward for anything. Anything God's putting on your heart. Nick shared about debt and, and, and finance, and that might be something that people want to respond to. What we find is that um, a physical action, if it reflects what's going on in our hearts, can be really significant to how God works. And that's why we invite people to literally take a step forward.
Is that okay? So I'm going to pray. Let's just try and be as quiet as we can for a moment. In just whatever way God maybe gives you, um, just why don't you, just if you're not already, I'm sure I know a lot are, just quietly pray to God in your own heart. If you've been a follower for a, a long time, you just want to might pray and say, Jesus, have I got this joy order correct? Have I really got you first in every part of my life? Am I then putting others? And am I... Am I holding back on myself, my desires? There might be a few people here who feel that almost like their joy has been robbed from them. The Bible says that, that, that our joy can be robbed from us by, by the dark things that there are in this world and even by the work of the one that we call Satan, the one that we call the devil that he can rob from us our joy. If you feel like you've had any joy robbed from you, why don't you just say, God, please, Holy Spirit, would you come and restore my joy, my sense and awareness of your goodness, God. And then I just want to, I just want to pray for, for anyone here now, I'm just going to lead you in a prayer. If you've, if you've not said, yes, Jesus, I want to be a follower. So it's a prayer for you. You can just echo the words in your own heart. Jesus, here I, here I stand before you. Jesus, I, I want to say yes to following you. Jesus, I want to say I'm sorry for anything that I have done or said or thought which has been wrong. Jesus, I thank you that you died on the cross for me and I choose to believe that that can take away every barrier from me having a relationship with God, with you, God. And so I invite you now into my life. I invite you now to lead me forward from here. I choose to follow you. Holy Spirit, would you just come? God, would you just come?